Mark My Words shares Mark Homer's contrarian views on investing, business, finance, economics, and all things money. Mark interviews the world's most successful business, finance, and money experts, as well as imparting his knowledge in a factual, direct, and no-nonsense manner. Welcome to Mark My Words, and here is your host, Mark Homer. Stephen has said, how can your COVID experience help people like us who are living abroad at the moment to start and build a property business in the UK with the help of Zoom, for example? So how can somebody living abroad build a UK property business with them? from your experience well i think uh, and and one day i probably will clear off i mean you know at the moment it does feel a little bit like the lunatics are running the asylum uh you know we we, we had brexit then we had um you know all the nonsense that stemmed after that um you know we had the the pandemic and we saw how they ran that and then we had the the sort of mini budget where liz trust had a lot of good ideas but you know so she presented them very badly and 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 didn't make a lot of people happy so you know all the, all this stuff over uh, over over time is 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 sort of added up in my brain to 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 confirming that you know one day I'll clear off uh, because for various reasons say I don't know my mid fifties maybe so for me I focused on this quite a bit what would I do well I'd probably come back here maybe once every I don't know month and maybe I'd try and do sort of three or four days stay within the sort of tax rules. Um, you know, and 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 I'd I'd spend those three or four days on the ground meeting agents, refurb teams, making sure my management, uh, all the, all the issues I've got with my properties and my management team are all sorted, and then uh, on on Zoom, I'd, I'd probably have a, a Zoom meeting every sort of two or three days with my you know managing agents because that that's where a lot of my time is focused. Obviously, banks that I'm dealing with, uh, and I probably focus a lot of my time. Um, on, on, you know, sort of right move and all those online portals now that you've got that sort of online intelligence that's come uh, over the years, which allows you to run your, your business even better. But um, yeah, I, I think most of those guys are, are able to use Zoom or, or, or Teams, you know, planning issues, you know, finding uh, planning consultant. I mean, most of those meetings, that's what we do. We just have them on Zoom now. We don't travel around to each other's offices, which is a big benefit got to work smart as well there's a lot of people who come to events like multiple streams of property income and they come from abroad they come from dubai abu dhabi cape town cayman they come from everywhere and they look and they're smart about it they watch people and you're in the shop window all the time in terms of how you are so join the progressive property facebook community so on facebook just go progressive property community join the community and in there watch people see if they're positive if they're active if they're if they're like moaning about the first half a problem that's not even a problem who are they are there somebody you'd want to be in the trenches with and want to work with so keep an eye on these people and watch them for a period of time i'm going to come to that in a moment because i believe mark used to watch rob and then um look to choose a joint venture partner and what happens is a lot of people abroad raise money abroad and look for somebody on the ground in the uk who'll do the the work on the ground to find the deals manage the refurbs etc so that's creating an opposites jv partner so get to an events here get into the community and start to watch other people you did this with rob didn't you you watched him initially when you met him did i did yeah him? we met at a sort of networking event and um we were you know it was a property networking event he wanted to get information about investing abroad and various different things 
uh, and he really sort of focused on, you know, trying to get me to give him information, all this. Uh, and he then said, oh, I want to sort of learn about this. I want to read some books. What books should I read? So I told him what books and he went away and he read them. Uh, and over a period of time, um, you know, then I was working for another guy. We, we sort of offered him a job. He said, can I have a job? And we offered him a job commission only. And I watched him for many months, just um, sort of outperforming and working harder and reading more marketing books and learning more and putting it into practice and and and, and generating revenue for, for the company. Um, so over a period of time, um, you know, I decided, you know, I wanted, I, I, I'd be happy to go into business with him. You know? So met him at an event, gave him yeah. some books to read. How long yeah. did it take him to read the books? Uh, oh, it's all done in three or four days. Three or four days. Yeah. Now, I did this very same yeah. thing because I remember that lesson. And I gave a guy that started to work for me said he really wanted to do property, etc. I gave him my book and another book to read. He, six months later, still hadn't read them. And within a year, he was gone and he's now a quantity surveyor in an employed job. So it does work. Yeah. testing the personnel. It does, yeah. Um, you then got Rob a job working with you, and I yeah. believe that Rob then, as a thank you to you, got both of you sacked, is that right? Oh, he did, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went off and, and, and told somebody that we were thinking about setting up our own business, and, and he duly went and told our boss, so, so we got the sack, yeah. Best thing that, Rob, by the way, Rob Moore getting him sacked was the best thing that ever happened to me, because if he didn't set up Progressive Property by being sacked, do you think if Rob didn't sack you, you'd have set Progressive up as quickly and it would be as big today as it no, is? No, it wouldn't have been done as quickly. That, that was... Um, Rob's sort of craziness, do you know what I mean? Getting in there and uh, creating a, a big explosion. Yeah, he's never done that before. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Um, what I've got loads more stuff, loads of stuff coming through actually. There's one, one here, yes, 50K. So Patrick said, what would be the best use of 50K? If you had 50K, 50K uh, so depends if you want, you know, more income or a more capital-based strategy. But, you know, for me, I'd start where I started. And if I wanted income, I'd go and buy quite a few HMOs, um, start off with one. I'd probably try and turn them into one suite. Um, I'd, once it was finished, I'd try and remortgage it. Uh, and then I'd roll the money on probably three, four or five times uh, and just try and use that deposit pot over and over again by buying cheap, adding value through refurb and development, remortgaging and then rolling the money on like we've always done, like we've done, like I've done for 20 years and like, People, all of us at Progressive have been doing for seven, nearly 17 years. Yeah. And this, I hear so many people and they go, I got 50 grand, I got 100 grand, I got 120 grand, what should I do? And they kind of want you to say, buy three John Street in Coventry on the 12th of June, 2024 at three o'clock. And that's the best thing to do. So they want to know the best street, the best area, the best time, the best thing. And that's a plan that Mark's just described there about rolling it into the next deal. Because what's the point in doing deal number one if you don't actually have a plan to do deal number two, five, seven, fifteen, twenty-one? And so many people take their life savings and they chuck it into their first house, and then they're stuck. And then they go, "What do I do now?" And and quite often, fifty grand's not enough anyway. So all of the raising money, they're looking for joint venture partners, etc. Has it is it easier or harder today to raise money? Because I hear a lot from people who go, oh, it was easier for Mark Homer and Rob Moore 10, 15, 20 years ago. Is it easier today or harder to raise money? I, I think it's probably easier because although interest rates, base rate might be 4%, what is the bank actually paying most people? Most bank accounts, they're still getting what, 2 or 3%? Inflation is 10 so therefore those people are putting their money in a bank account and they're losing seven to eight percent every year and by the way where is that seven to eight percent going it's being lent to all the property investors at say four or five percent yeah 
and the value of their mortgages is reducing, it's eroding by the difference between the 10% inflation and the 4% that they're paying. So, you know, this, th th these people need to earn a return. Uh, and, there are, you know, if you offer them something they believe in, they believe in you, they trust you, they think you can deliver, um, and you offer them a greater return than they're getting in the bank, uh, might be 7 or 8%, lots of people will go for that. When people are starting out, they at the, about having a plan at the start, Mark, you know you've got like your limited company and your personal stuff. Um, should you be mixing your refurb costs, your deposits, your um, you know payments of stuff on your property, your incoming rents with your shopping from Waitrose or Tesco? What should you do with your finances? No. So, so go and set up a business account. You'll probably have a limited company to buy your single lets or HMOs in because of Section 24. Uh, that means you can't offset all the mortgage interest against the rent. So you're going to be in a limited company. So go and set up a limited company bank account. Put all your property stuff in there. Um, once you get in, you know, you get into it more and more, you'll probably have two. I often have one where all the rent and the mortgages come out of and the management costs. And then if I'm buying another property, you know, or, or refurbing it, I probably put all those costs for a sort of capital account, a second account in that limited company. Don't mix it with your own uh, costs because, you know, the bookkeeper's going to have a nightmare yeah. and it's difficult for you to know where you are as well. Yeah, it depends what shops you're spending as well. You definitely want the bookkeeper to see some of it. So, um, <laughs> budgeting, <laughs> budgeting, budgeting um, you said 60 grand a month earlier on one of your commercial, on your finance on the big yeah, 99 yeah, yeah. development. So how do you track, what's a simple, for somebody starting out and if it's only 600 quid a month yeah. cost, what sort of system software would you recommend or what, what would you use just a spreadsheet at the start do you know what there's nothing wrong with spreadsheets i mean our tenants are managed with cfp winman which is a sort of letting agency software that's that's what we use to manage all of those but you know in terms of our portfolio you know i've got all our properties on there i've got the values i've got the mortgages the rents it goes on an excel spreadsheet you know people say to me oh isn't there something more clever but you know whenever i deal with a bank or you know someone else an accountant or accountant gets their information through sage but say the accountant wants to put the balance sheet up and wants to put the value of their properties they always ask for it on an excel yep. spreadsheet so actually that's how we manage uh you know the, the the sort of top line numbers of our portfolio all of the financial information they will go into sage uh, and the bookkeeper will deal with that and that will go to the accountant uh and the, yeah the tenants are managed with cfp winman which which obviously reminds you when you need to go and do an inspection or get a gas safety check or has the tenant paid it's it's all on that system yeah. it's very true you put everything on online software and then when you're looking for a mortgage or something they go can you download it all onto a spreadsheet and send it to us this, no. it, it, so. uh, there's nothing wrong with excel people you know say oh you know excel isn't the right thing or whatever but for this purpose you know, I'm dealing with a, a bank at the moment, um, our facility, it's quite, you know, it's a, it's a bond which was issued onto the London Stock Exchange and it was, it's about 12 million. So it's, it's very small for this bank. They probably, I think the average size of, of the facility that they would lend on with this is about 200 million. But they treat us the same way as they would a 200 million pound loan and it's quarterly reporting. Uh, every quarter we have to supply management accounts in their format. Uh, and they come back, they ask a load of questions on it, they make us change things, and they make us uh, do the same at half year, and then at the year end, they do the same again. Um, and it's quite an involved process, and that whole thing takes place through Excel. Yeah. Their template comes through, it's got all the formulas in it, 
Uh, we amend it through Excel. That's how we all operate. And yeah. Excel is no money down, by the way. It's free. Yeah, there's yeah. a book on that. Um, well, well, I suppose you could use Google yeah. Sheets, couldn't you? Because you can share yeah. it. You know, I, I, I do that with my my personal assistant. She manages insurance. She manages, um, you know, what's happening in various properties, utilities and various stuff like that. Mm. That goes into Google Sheets and we, we, we manage those between us. Yeah. 2012, when I first found Progressive, yeah. my credit file was a mess. And there'll be two people watching this that'll be okay credit files. Some will be a mess. When you've only got like your mobile phone bill and your gas and your electric and council tax yeah. going out, it can be quite easy. But yeah. as you add properties and you've got especially HMOs or SAs yeah. and you've got broadbands, loads of them and yeah. gas and electrics, yeah. et cetera. Uh, how do you, how important is it to make sure you don't miss payments? Should everything be on direct debits? Should it be, yeah. if you've got credit cards, minimum payments or clear the whole balance? No, always clear the whole balance on a credit card. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, utilities and mortgages and all that, they're all on direct debit or standing order. Um, so, you know, sometimes we'll overpay, but, you know, I check through the management accounts every month and, you know, I'll, I'll often be able to see if we're overpaying on something and I need to change it or need to put solar panels on because our gas bills have gone up so much. Um, it, it is very important. But one interesting thing here, Kevin, all our properties used to be in our own name. Yeah. So as soon as there was a late payment, uh, it went on my credit file. But as soon as we're in a limited company, well, it goes on the sort of limited company's credit file. And actually, it's not, it doesn't seem to affect it quite as much. Mm. Um, yeah. Now, clearly, you do not want to be late with any mortgage. Um, but when it comes to utilities, uh, I, I have squabbles with them all the time because it's like the Wild West. Um, and, um, you know, leverage often is not paying a bill, mm. um, you know, and, and because the bill's wrong. Uh, and you know, if that was your in your own name, you'd be at risk of having a default. When it's a limited company, um, you paid a bit late; doesn't seem to make much difference. Um, and you know, the same with sort of other invoices with that, that, that are into a limited company. Yeah. Okay. I think you're going to love this question. What's Mark's thoughts on digital currency? That's going. What's that's going to happen? What's what's your thoughts on digital currency? That's yeah. definitely going to happen. Um, and is he investing in crypto that is linked to CBDCs? What is CBDCs? Yeah, don't know what <laughs> CBDCs are, but, oh, central bank digital currencies. Oh, central, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, okay, I, this is a little bit like 1999. Uh, I invested in loads of dot-com stocks, um, and the vast majority of them were nonsense, and I lost all my money. Um, but out of that came an Amazon, a Google, an eBay, you know, and there were some good ones. And I'm sure that's what's going to happen now. The underlying um, sort of technology behind cryptocurrency, the ledger system, is revolutionary. I'm sure it's here to stay. Uh, and I'm sure there are lots and lots of applications we don't know about yet. Um, so I think it's, um, you know, going to be a huge area. Um, I would say that, um, oh, God, in excess of 90%, probably in excess of 95% of everything crypto is nonsense yep. um, and will end up just, uh, you'll lose all your money. Uh, but there's a, small, there's a small amount of stuff which can be very, very good. Um, so, um, I, you know, I... I, I'm not a specialist in the, this area, but I have a few mates who who are. And, um, you know, all I seem to get back is Bitcoin is the real deal. Um, Ethereum sort of might be, but governments might be able to control it. 
um, and almost everything else is a, uh, is a big gamble and could end up uh, being worth nothing. So is Bitcoin a gamble? Yes, it's still very high risk, very high risk, and there's huge, huge gyrations. Uh, so I'd never put more than 5% of your net worth into this stuff. In fact, I put less in. I was trying to go back into Bitcoin when it was 13,000. I've sort of missed the boat a bit, but you know, if it drops a little bit more, I'm probably going to be, you know, getting into some Bitcoin, but definitely not leaving on, on any exchange. And by the way, all my pals used to say years before FTX, don't leave your money on any exchange. Um, you know, mine would be on a ledger or a trezor and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I'll be doing a bit. Uh, I've already got some Bitcoin, but I'll, 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 I'll buy some more. Um, you know, you can do other things that are short term. We were, uh, we had um, some helium miners where we were sort of setting Wi-Fi networks up around town and we were earning off those coins. As long as you sort of transfer them through, convert them into something real like pound sterling, uh, which, um, you know, some people say is, you know, sort of, um, uh, you know, worth nothing. And it's really interesting about all the yeah. crypto people, don't yeah, they? They yeah, say, yeah. I'm doing crypto, fiat. crypto, yeah, crypto. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. doing crypto yeah, yeah, because yeah. the fiat currency yeah, is dead, yeah. but I'm going to take the money yeah. and they tell you how much it's worth in yeah. fiat currency. In, in fiat, oh, yes. And yeah. they're going to take the money and put it into yeah. property. Yes. So, um, yeah. Sorry, um, crypto people. Well, it, there is some truth in that. Um, so, yeah, as long as you put it in something real like pound sterling into a real investment uh, or transfer it to something like Bitcoin, maybe a good idea. Um, you know, there are mining rigs. I know a chap who um, mines things like Ravencoin and uh, I think an, another sort of coin type um, using renewable energy, using solar panels, using hydroelectric, and, 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 and he sells them to farmers. I mean, there's farmers putting cow shit and chicken shit in at one end uh, through an anaerobic digester putting methane through into an engine or a turbine, generating electricity, and then the electricity is going into uh, a big uh, shipping container with a load of crypto mining rigs in it. Uh, and they're making lots of money. But once they've got that Raven coin, they're not leaving it in that. They're converting it into something real. Because right. I, I think whatever it's in that, it's a risk. Because um, as I said, most of that stuff is, is nonsense. Ali said, where, can yeah. you repeat where you suggest you keep your crypto? In pounds. <laughs> No, um, so CASA, CASA is a really good place uh, to manage all of this um, and it will help you um, sort of put your crypto onto a, a ledger and a, a trezor off the exchange so it's, it, it's sort of, you, know, you can put it in a safe somewhere um, and you're not, um, you know, it's not, not at risk. Uh, if you leave it on Binance or, you know, one of those, um, then at some point, you know, they're unregulated. At mm. some point, they'll probably go bust, a little bit like FTX, and you lose all your money. On crypto, by the way, I wouldn't risk my kids' life savings and inheritance, their inheritance, that's my life savings for their inheritance on crypto. But you could do, we mentioned earlier about things like rent to rent or deal packaging. You could find a deal and sell it, make three to five grand, and buy crypto with it. Or you could do a rent to rent deal, make 500 to 1,000 pound a month, and use that money to buy crypto. So you could use property as the vehicle to earn money that's not earned in a job and then put that money into buying crypto. So actually it's a no money down crypto and you're not really risking anything. So some people that are buying crypto to buy property, I think they've got it the wrong way around. You should be controlling some property to invest in crypto. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, I, I, absolutely. I think property is probably where you start. Um, you know, I've never made more money 
out of anything investment wise than property um you know even if you just go and buy a little single let and you just put you know a deposit in in the normal way and you refurb it you're going to be making upwards of 15 percent you know it it, it, it might only yield five or six percent, but that's on the total investment. If you've only put, say, 30 grand, 40 grand in it because you borrowed 75 percent of it, once you add the five percent capital growth on, um, you're probably going to be making 15, 20 percent. If you get something really, really cheap, you've got all your money out, there's none of your money left in it, cash on cash, the return can be infinite. Uh, lots of times I've done property deals, the return is hundreds, if not thousands of percent. It sounds ridiculous, but you know, sort of when you get into it and you work the numbers back, how much cash you put in versus what your return is, you can do that with property. Um, so for me, that's where it all starts. That's where I build wealth. And then I go and do this sort of crypto stuff and other stuff as a, you know, a bit of interest, a bit of a, a tryout. You know, I say 5% of your net worth is way less than that for me uh, because I, you know, I see it as something, you know, to, to understand and something to learn because there's going to be a future in this stuff. Um, but you know, it's, it's very, very volatile. It's scary when you see somebody gone all in on it. Oh, it? I, I've had it with mentees, yeah. you know, over 50%, yeah. over 70%. Yeah, and then scary. we've seen what's happened recently. Yeah. It's, it's not a good idea. Um, Peter said, is it, is the phrase your network is your net worth still quite true? Absolutely. Um, you know, who, you know, not what, you know, uh, unfortunately, there is a lot of truth in that. Um, I thought know, he was going to say, unfortunately, there is some people close to me that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as soon as I have an issue, a big issue, uh, I go out and I talk to other people doing, uh, mates that are doing what I'm doing, uh, and we swap information and usually that's where I get my answers. Where do you see, um, the big opportunities now over the next sort of 12 to 18 months? The big opportunity is to go and buy residential property because it's cheap. It's on sale. We, we're, we're back to 2008, 2009. It's, it, it, it's, it's not going to be, I don't think, quite as extreme. Uh, but, you know, you're, you're there, aren't you? 10%, 10 to 15 has come out of the properties already. I know not out of the asking prices, but the amount that they're actually selling for in lots of areas. Um, and there's more to come. Uh, and you know, you need to get in there now, get networking, get your, all your marketing, you know, sort of, um, collateral running because it takes several months to, you know, get all the leads to, to, to start generating the leads. Um, you're going to be buying property cheaper, uh, than you have for quite a while. And the rents are now 900 on a little three bed, 925, you know, even two, three years ago, there were 750. Um, and, and 2016, there were 550. Um, so, uh, you know, why, why would you not do this? What would you say to anyone who's fearful or worried about the fact interest rates have gone up? Well, <laughs> the fact, this, this is the thing, isn't it? The, the reason why you're able to go and buy properties that much cheaper is because interest rates have gone up. Mm. It has actually, ironically, reduced your risk because as interest rates have gone up, it's pushed property prices down uh, and therefore you're able to buy property cheaper now and with greater rents. So eventually, you know, at some point, interest rates won't go up further. They, they might go up a bit more, but eventually they'll probably come down. And when they come down, house prices will probably recover uh, and start rising again. But you'll have got all those properties cheap. So now is the time you know i had this in 08 09 people say, oh the banks won't lend and property's falling and therefore i don't want to buy 
you could get a house for sort of 60 grand that's now worth 140. Um, before that sort of issue in 08, they were probably 110. So <laughs> those people are laughing now. Uh, and it's all happening again now. I was telling friends and family in 20, sort of 12, 13, get into property and they're like, no, no, it's still dropping. We've got to, you know, got to wait for the bottom. And then in sort of 2015, 16, I'm telling them, you got to get in now. And they go, no, no, we missed the boat. <laughs> Did nothing. Yeah. So yeah, you got to get going. Um, biggest financial mistakes. We spoke about crypto. The biggest financial mistakes yeah. you see people making. What would be, what do you think? Um, leaving your money in the bank, um, definitely. Uh, going and buying new build property off plan overseas. You know, we've been harping on about that for years, but we've all done it um, and not a good idea. Uh, spraying all your money around on uh, sort of high risk individual shares or cryptocurrency, uh, giving all your money to a fund, an active fund manager like um, St. James's Place, who, um, or should I say, they, you know, maybe they're more wealth managers and they invest in active funds, um, you know, who take big commissions. Um, so th th there's loads and loads of sort of things that are probably not as good um, as just investing directly in property. Yeah. Stevenson, would you set up several limited companies for various property activities? Are to deal with are deal with everything like buying, deal sourcing, etc. under one company. Just read that again. So yeah. would you set up uh, several different limited companies or put everything in one company? Yeah. Well, it depends what you're doing. I mean, if you're buying uh, properties and putting them into limited, you know, buying properties for investment, I try and put them in one limited company because uh, it's a lot easier for reporting, it's cheaper accountancy bills. Um, Sometimes banks might want debentures over the company and then, you know, that can be a bit challenging because then you've got to, you know, the, the different banks might want to fight out who gets the debenture. Yeah. But buy-to-let lenders often won't do that. Um, if you've got a development site, the bank will probably, all, most of the time, they'll want that in a new company, you know, so that they know there's nothing else going on. Uh, deal sourcing, yeah, you probably would put that activity in another company. Uh, but you can group them so you can move dividends up um, to a parent company without paying, you know, you pay corporation tax and then you don't pay any further tax when you move, move the money around companies. Yeah. Mm. So uh, an accountant will tell you to set up loads of companies, by the way. They always uh, will yeah. because uh, they get fees on each one. Yeah. But yeah. at the start of your journey, rather than trying to get, and I see this a lot with people, they're trying to get all their ducks in a row yeah, before they yeah. do anything. You just got to get on. Yeah, just do the first one. Yeah. Just, Get your first focus on getting your first deal done and either keep it or sell it and then set up a company to do that. I know people then they're, they're like setting up the company. They've not even done a viewing yet. It, what You can take 18 minutes about to, 18 quid in six minutes to set a company up or 10 minutes. Go find a deal and then decide. Yeah. And then the next one and the next one and you'll grow over time. What's your view on build to rent? Build to rent. Well, that's what we've done, isn't it? Uh, our last two blocks were effectively build to rent blocks. So... Yeah, I think it's great. Uh, you go and find a, um, a a building. You might want to convert, or you want to develop, or or whatever. And um, you know, you design it specifically with tenants in mind uh, to rent it out. Um, and um, that's what we've done. What's been your biggest missed opportunity? Oh, well, there's been probably loads of properties. Um, that's why I don't really like selling them. You know, because then I feel like uh, I walk past and they've gone up in value. Um, I don't know, there'd have been land and there'd have been buildings over the years. There was the, the old land registry building. I should have bought that. 
two and a half, three million. There's been plenty of those, um, you know, but I, I tend to try not focus on stuff like that and, and try and try and focus on. Yeah, I, I take it and then, you know, sort of remember for next time, don't sell, uh, take the opportunity when it's there, uh, grab it with both hands um, and um, yeah, take a little bit of risk sometimes, you know. After one hour and 42 minutes, finally, somebody has actually got a question for Kevin. And it says, Andrew King says, a question for Kevin, can I ask when you first started out and you were in debt, etc., how did you get accepted for your first mortgage? Really important for everybody. Um, I didn't, I couldn't get a mortgage. And I see so many people that because they can't get a mortgage, they got bad credit, they think they can't get started, they can't do anything. First deal I did was I took on a rent to rent deal. And Mark kind of mentioned this earlier where somebody asked a question about his son in Bristol. And Mark said he was gonna buy a property for his son. My first deal, I was living in a room in a shared house I looked for a property to rent. I lived in it. I rented three other rooms out. So I was there plus three other people, four of us. I had a free bedroom and a free office because the other three rooms covered the cost of the house. So I got a rent to rent, but lived in it. That was my first deal. I couldn't get mortgages. So I found joint venture partners, other people to fund the deals. I found deals and sold them. So I did some deal packaging. So I did some rent to rents where I don't need a mortgage. I did deal packaging where I didn't need a mortgage. I got some investors who would fund deals with me. They bought cash, okay? And I was, the, they hosted the mortgage. So the thing called mortgage host deed of trust. They hosted the mortgage, I had a deed of trust. That allowed me to build up some experience, build up my credit file, build up my income. And within a couple of years, I was able to start to buy property for myself. So my first couple of years, I couldn't buy a property. It didn't mean I couldn't do anything. You have to be able to do things that you're able to do to get moving and then go to the next level. So um, really, really important that that we get that in there because it's about Mark. But that question was kind of kind of important for those of you watching here that are going, what can I do to get going? Um, how did you get out of debt faster? If you were if somebody on here, Mark, is in debt, what would you say to them to get out of debt fast? Well, um, I mean, the first thing is reduce your spending, consolidate that debt onto sort of a mortgage or a lower cost loan. Uh, be very, very um, uh, disciplined, you know, so that on a monthly basis, you know that you're earning more so that you can sort of chip away at that debt on a, on a monthly basis, probably put it on a spreadsheet. So you've got a plan because if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Um, you know, very, very important that you... Um, you know, you, you, over a period of time, you just chip away and get rid of that debt um, so that then you can go and borrow, get mortgages and, and um, you know, basically free yourself on a monthly basis and become financially free. It's all doable. Uh, you can do it in the, the sort of medium term, but you need to put a plan together. People keep asking about CASA, um, C-A-S-A. CASA is um, sort of a, a, a cryptocurrency sort of management um, site. Uh, that you can use to help you uh, put your Bitcoin onto um, safe cold storage. So, you know, like a like a memory stick or something safe that you can take off any exchange, take off, you know, an online environment and just put it in a safe somewhere. So it's so it's all safe. On the back of my answer a moment ago, loads of people are coming in going, that's my worry. I can't get a mortgage. Were you listening to my answer? I couldn't get a mortgage either. So I did things that didn't require mortgages. So rent to rent, deal packaging, joint venture partners. So they would buy the property in their name. And I just have what's called a deed of trust. So a, de a trust deed document. You can do loads of stuff. You don't need to be the one buying the mortgage. Um, 
Petromer says, if you were in debt by 15K, would you focus on clearing the debt or investing in property? Um, depends on the, the, the cost of the debt, depends on the rate. If, if it's a low rate, I may leave it there. Um, you know, if you can borrow still with that debt there and, and generate, you know, more income to actually pay that debt down, then I may do that. Uh, but what you want to focus on is stop with the doodad, stop with the um, spending money on sort of personal stuff. Uh, and just just in yeah. the, the early years, just direct all your money into investing and, 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 and just building your, your, your knowledge and your experience in yeah, how to develop your, your portfolio, because in the long run, it will pay you back in spades. I, I was in about 135 grand of debt. I was paying around 1500 quid a month to service those debts, living in a room. I found my own rent to rent to live in so I could save my cost of living myself so I could live for free. And then the next two properties I took on, the next two rent to rents, don't own them. I used the 750 odd quid a month profit to cover the debt, to service the debt. And then over the next few years, that debt was paid off by income from other people's properties. So create an income stream from either rent to rent or deal packaging. If you got 15K debt, you could sell five three grand deals or sell three five grand deals so find a property sell it for a three grand packaging fee or sell it for a five grand packaging fee clear your debt but don't stay in a job trying to save your debt because the question will be stay in the job but have the side hustle of deal packaging or rent to rent or something like that or go out networking because if you stay in the job to pay back the 15k of debt how long have you been in 15 grand of debt and how is the staying in the job and using the job to clear the debt plan working for you because it's probably not. So you need to not focus on trying to save money, but focus on earn more money. And you can do that through in property, deal packaging, rent to rent, using different techniques. Um, I got so many questions for you here, Mark. I haven't even gone through my list. I've just taken all of yours. So um, how do you finance your property investments and what strategies have you used to minimize costs? Is there a way to minimize costs when financing? Uh, well, I mean, I, I finance so many different ways. So obviously we used our own cash and, and various other stuff, but I've borrowed from JV partners. I've borrowed from family from, um, you know, I've, I've used credit cards. Um, I've used personal loans. Um, I've remortgaged properties, remortgaged my own property. Um, where else have I got cash from? Yeah. Banks. I mean, banks are the biggest place I'll go and get money from. Um, yeah. <laughs> Banks. Thanks. Yeah. I've got money. Yeah, yeah thanks. So it <laughs> yeah. might be a stupid question, but do you have to live in the property in a rent to rent? So no, no, no. I just no, lived no. in the first one. No, the first one I lived in, I got loads of rent to rents. I would only live in one. My wife wouldn't allow me to live in them all. That would be weird. No, so no, you, you just take on a property to rent it to other people. But rather than me make about 700 pound profit on the deal, I lived in it and made no profit, but saved 700 quid in my living costs. Hope that makes sense. Um, I got loads here, Mark. A yeah. whole list of stuff for you. How do you determine the right time to buy or sell a property? I know you don't like to sell anyway, but how do you yeah. determine the right time to buy? Well, I mean, right time to buy is probably you know when yeah when what you want to be doing with most investments, most business, most property deals is looking at what the herd is doing and doing the opposite. Um, so at the moment people want to sell people starting to think property is a dirty word they're, they're they're sort of saying interest rates are going up and um, 
you know, they're, they're, they're reasonably negative, aren't they? You know, the general public. Uh, and for me, that makes me lot much more interested. The, when I go around a property and I see a queue of people uh, outside, investors or people wanting to buy it, um, I, a lot of the time I get back in my car and I just drive away because that really, really turns me off. I love the stuff that is unloved that I can then make loved because that's how you add value. Um, so, you know, for me, um, you know, times like now where we're in a downturn, that's got to be great. You know, they, they are the times to, to buy. In terms of the times to sell, well, I, I don't like selling. Uh, I'm not a flipper. Um, so I never, I only buy stuff with a, at least a 10 year view, but usually a 20 or 30 year view, you know, over time, the income's going to go up. You can refinance it. I don't get why you want to sell it. You're just killing, killing the goose that lays the golden egg. Um, so, you know, I, but of course, you know, if some people want to sell and they, they feel like they're going to pick the, um, you know, you pick, pick the top of the market and of course they never will because it's so hard to predict where the top and the bottom is. In fact, yeah, it's impossible. Um, you know, they, they can do that. And I, I know someone who did, he sold, sold his portfolio in 06 and he looked very clever, but you know, by 2010, 2011, the properties were more than he sold them for in 2006 anyway. And that's always what will end up happening. So I know somebody, yeah. somebody that sold their residential home in Holloway Road in London in 2004 yeah. because they were going to sell rent until after the crash and then buy. They sold it for around 300 grand. The same house today is worth over a million. They still rent it. And therein lies a very big lesson. Yes. Yeah. So unfortunately, you cannot time this stuff. No, it's yeah. not about time. Something you taught me years ago and yeah. many people. I say Mark taught me, but it was in a room full of people. He taught everyone, but it was like he was talking to me. Uh, you can't time the market. It's about time in the market, not timing. So market. important. So important. No. Just leave it there and father time will look after it for you and you'll make good money. Father Don't time. be buying and selling. Buying and selling is for, I don't know, for, for developers and, and, and yeah. I, I, yeah. You know, when I moved over from Ireland, I thought yeah. flipping property meant oh, a whole different, yeah, I thought no, it meant a different no. thing though, those flipping no. properties. Oh, did you? So, oh, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Anthony has said, um, I missed the beginning. You shouldn't have missed the beginning. There was some quality stuff. But have you mentioned that rent-to-rent subletting is usually forget, forbidden under most tenancy agreements? Anthony, rent-to-rent is not done under tenancy agreements. A tenancy agreement is an assured short-haul tenancy, an AST. You are not allowed to take a property on an AST and then give it to somebody else on another AST. That's illegal, that's subletting. Rent-to-rent is not subletting. Rent-to-rent is where you take a property on a corporate let agreement that gives you the rights to rent it on a tenancy agreement. It's like a letting agent taking a property on a management agreement with the right to let it on a tenancy agreement. Do not confuse rent to rent. Sounds like, Anthony, you're spending too much time with your mates down the pub um, with all love and respect, rather than actually understanding what rent to rent is. And this is the difference between those that are successful and those that don't. By the way, there's two types of people. Those that will find an opportunity in every problem and those that will find the problem in every opportunity. If you're watching this, who are you? Find the opportunity in every problem because one person's problem is your opportunity. Um, massive portfolio, Mark. How do you manage it? How do you make sure that you know that every property is tenanted? How do you make sure that every bill is paid? How do you make sure that tenants aren't, aren't like in arrears 
What I know you mentioned CFP wingman yeah. earlier, but do you do all that yourself? No. So we, we, we I own a letting agency with 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 my business partner, and there's there's I don't know 10, 11 staff in there, and they're doing this stuff. So they're making sure the rent comes in and they're making sure evictions are done and all that different stuff. So you need that management infrastructure, you know, either use when you start use an external letting agent and then you'll probably bring it in house and maybe you'll bring other landlords in and all that sort of stuff. On top of that, though, every month I have a list of all of our properties and I'm checking what the rent is. And in, in the management accounts, I go through every single property, every single tenancy, and I just check A, that the rent came in, and B, what was it? Because at the moment, rents are going up a lot. So of course, I'm, I'm sitting in a meeting once a month with our property managers, and I'm saying to them, this one's too low, uh, it needs increasing. I don't usually put it up to market rate, I usually keep it 5% below just to sort of um, incentivize the tenants to stay there, but I am putting them up to market rates minus 5%. Um, and that's just across the board, every single tenancy has had to go up. Um, you know, interest rates have gone up, costs have gone up, um, and rents going up accordingly. So, you know, I will go through all of those rents and every single sort of property, um, and I'll work out, you know, if we're getting it, if, if there's no rent there, why not? Is it empty? You know, is the tenant not paying or all this sort of stuff? And then they will go away and, and, and deal with the issue. Earlier, somebody said they seen you in Peterborough a few weeks ago and you were on your mobile phone and it looked like you were doing a deal and it was during the day. So how do you balance property with family, personal time, etc.? And this is a question for me as well, because I've got the same challenge, wife, two young kids. Yeah. Um, how do you balance it all? What do you do? Well, uh, I, <laughs> not very well. Um, <laughs> I've got a young child, so um, yeah, obviously the weekends, most of it is you know, for them, um, for my wife and, 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 and my child, um, take him swimming on a Sunday, you know, we're just going to start teaching him to go kart now. There's, you know, various stuff that I do with them. And then during the week, you know, nine to maybe five thirty, six o'clock, I'm in this business. Uh, and then I go home and, you know, evenings and weekends are for them. That wasn't really how I started. Obviously I didn't have kids. I'd have put a lot of time into it and I'd put evenings, weekends, viewings, all that sort of stuff. In fact, I was employed when I started. So I was viewing on the weekends and the, and the evenings. It's all completely doable. Um, I think I think I probably bought 15 properties when I was employed by somebody else, just viewing and, and leafleting and sort of doing it evenings and weekends. Yeah. With people who are looking to get started and they're thinking it's a property is a laptop lifestyle and you know, you get rich quick, get into property, get rich quick. Um, is it get rich quick, get very wealthy slowly? Do you have to, Rob says you've got to work hard enough to not have to work hard. Yeah. Um, are, are you just replacing one job with another job? What, what, what's your thoughts? Well, the, the ultimate goal is to become financially independent um, so that you can do what you want to do and you, you can make your choices as to how you spend your time each day. Um, I think, um, you know, financial independence is what you decide it is um and you know you don't want to be a slave to this you don't want to be sort of controlled by anybody um but this gives you that choice this gives you that power it gives you the power to you know do something you love uh to to to, to really focus on getting the best out of uh, something that's going to really generate big results for your life rather than, I don't know, a company or somebody else's life or whatever. If you don't want to work, you don't have to. Um, you do what you want every day. Marketing wise, um, 
do you for finding deals do you just do you do apart from you mentioned direct to vendor do you do direct to vendor marketing like leaflets letters etc what do you do to market for deals yeah so social media versus let's say social media versus um on the ground stuff. yeah so in the past the 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 thing that's worked best for me is always leaflets through the door ten thousand a month in each buying area so i'd do thirty thousand a month uh, and then after say three, four, five, six months, often I'd end up start getting some really good deals. Um, we do more social media now. Actually, our letting agency uses it a lot to rent properties with videos. Um, there are people marketing for deals. Our, our letting agency is marketing to landlords to try and buy properties as well. So that would be through Facebook Marketplace a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, and um, yeah, newspaper ads, limited success. Um, but yeah, social media and leafleting, direct to vendor. Now, when I started, um, you were doing a lot of leafleting when I came here 2012, 13, and I heard 10,000 leaflets a month, three areas, 30,000 leaflets a month. And then my head goes, oh my God, that's a lot of money. But it's a percentage of what they make. Now, there's two types of people. The person that goes, oh, that's a lot of money. I can't afford that. I'm not doing leaflets. And the person that says, well, I'm going to start with 100 leaflets a month. I'm going to print them at home or print them at work. Um, not that gonna, I'm going to, not that I did that. Um, I'm going to do 100 leaflets a week or 100 leaflets a month. And all I did was I started off with what I could afford. It's like saying you're going to do a Facebook ad, but you can't afford a thousand pound a day. So you'll do two pound a day. Do the same thing with your leaflets. So create your plan of your marketing and invest what you can. And then as you do your first couple of deals, then just start to build the bucket of your investment in marketing bucket, your investment buckets to be able to invest more into the next deal and the next deal. So um, other stuff, we spoke about you and Rob meeting. Um, Was there like, was it love at first sight or was there like challenges? Well, I mean, I gave those books to for for Rob, you know, to to, to read. And, you know, initially he was trying to get sort of information from me and he he, he was in a load of debt. He was a struggling artist and he wanted to get into this business. So, you know, I had to sort of watch him and become confident over a period of time that, you know, he 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 would sort of learn this business and, and be a really good sort of business partner. So, yeah. And, and when we started, Rob and I were trying to do the same thing every day. Um, so we had to create a hierarchy to split off all the roles and responsibilities. And, you know, we'd, we'd have a situation where I'd be buying some properties with my stepfather and Rob would say, wait a minute, you're doing that, but you're doing it in office time. So, you know, and then I'd be saying to Rob, oh, you've got all your, your, um, you know, your life coaching clients. What about them? Uh, so we made a deal where we just sort of put everything together and, um, you know, we own everything, all the income streams, we get 50, 50 out of them. Um, so that you know that's how that's how it's gone do you remember 17 years ago do you remember which books again uh i i don't exactly wait who moved my cheese i think was one probably napoleon hill think and grow rich Rich. uh and um the one that i loved the most probably because i was a bit um abrupt um would would have been um, how to win friends and influence people by dale carnegie did you ever have before rob or even during while rob was the person you were testing yeah did you have other people you tested jvs with other people you considered joint venturing with and i guess what was it about rob over them that you went with rob with uh well i i'd, I'd had little businesses with friends before and you know they'd lie and just not really perform and um sort of talk a big game but you know actually not 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 put the hours and not put the 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 the, the sort of hard yards in to make it a successful business 
Um, so yeah, I'd had plenty of experience of that, but um, realized I couldn't trust any of them either. Yeah. Right. Um, Jane says, can you design your leaflets on Canva if you're a creative person? You can design them in Canva, you can design them with a pen and paper, you can design them any way you like. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I've read loads of people saying they've read Napoleon Hill's books. Um, how much is your ideal annual rent appreciation percentage on a buy-to-let residential property? Yeah, probably 5% a year is, is reasonable. Um, I'd probably need to work it out. But, you know, if you took that three bed I was talking about, when I started buying those in 2005, the rent was 450. Mm. And then all the way from 2005 to 2016, the rent went from 450 to 550. Uh, that's quite a long time, isn't it? That's, yeah. uh, what's that, 11 years? Um, and, and the rent just went up 100 quid. Why was that? Because there were lots of new landlords coming to the sector, lots and lots of supplier properties, rental properties, uh, and therefore, um, you know, it kept the rent down. 2016, uh, the government decided to introduce Section 24. Landlords went, oh, God, it's terrible. We're all going to leave the sector and all this sort of stuff. Uh, extra stamp duty. And it did put lots of landlords off. But the reality is all it's done is make rents go from 550 to in 2016 to 9.25 today so this is always the case you know the herd sort of moves that way um you know it looks like something you know really bad is happening and it, and it was it was a big challenge but the reality is something else then the rent has to adjust to make it work what is your main strategy that provided you with your financial freedom or independence? So which property strategy was the main one Ooh, that provided you with uh, Obviously, development's probably made us more over time. HMOs have provided us a very, very good income stream. Um, so, yeah, monthly income. Yeah, HMOs, which I've then scaled up into development projects, which turn into big cluster flats and HMO-type buildings, which provide it income. Yeah. yeah. So I, I started with HMO, rent to rent HMOs rather than purchase, single let buy to lets, buy refurbish rent refinance. And I use the income from the rent to rents as deposits to buy more buy to lets because I don't know if my kids will ever want to run a rent to rent business or run HMOs. But I know that if I've got lots of single let buy to lets, just tourist houses, I can give them to a letting agents. And even if my kids aren't property savvy, don't want to do it, they'll still have an income that can look after them when they're older, I guess. Yeah. So a mix don't put all your eggs in one basket um hamish just said where is mark's stripey shirts stripey shirts is something we wear at multiple streams of property income because if there's 100 150 people in a room big networking event big opportunity to raise money speak to people learn about property but it's easy to find us in the room because so all the speakers wear these crazy stripey shirts because it's easy to find us and um, in the room of 100 150 people um that's why we wear them. That's one reason. But Rob and Mark actually started out with stripy shirts years ago. Now, before I ask him why, the reason he's not wearing them today is because his wife dresses him and I choose. No, no, I don't choose to dress myself. He dresses me. Rob dresses me. Why did you choose stripy shirts? Why do you make us wear so, them? So stri stripy shirts were a, a mindset thing. So you, you would remember us for our stripy shirts. And like Kevin said, at events, you'd immediately be able to see who the speaker was. Um, and so it became a brand thing. Uh, the truth be behind me not wearing a stripy shirt now, I do a lot less events, so it's less, less necessary. You rarely do any events, do you? No. So, um, but, but, but I suppose a big reason is I'm just too fat to get in my old stripy shirts. Um, so, you know, there's always a practical implication. <laughs> there you yeah? go. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll take that answer. Uh, 
You should be doing more rubs. I am trimming. I am trimming. I am trimming the fat I, at the moment. I'm on. I mean, I had you know Christmas. I was eating lots, and you know, in the last sort of, I went away last week, and we went ice driving in Sweden, and I was there with all my pals, and we just ate. And so this week, every day. I've 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 fasted between 7 p.m. And, and 12 the next day. For my lunch every day, I've just had carrot and you know fruit and and and, and you know limited my calorie intake and I had porridge for dinner and I've eaten nothing else this week. Uh, on water, lots of water. Speaking yeah. of slimming, yeah. Rob's obviously boxing Samuel Leeds soon. Oh yeah. Um, first of July. Yeah, yeah. Are you aware of that? I am aware. Yeah, of yeah, that. yeah. I've well, seen all this. Well, yeah. what's your thoughts? And why aren't you boxing? Why is he not boxing? Because I'm, 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 I get my ass beat, won't I? I'm not a good boxer, so um, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's also why yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. boxing. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, it's it's not. Do you think he's going to win? Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll leave, I'll leave Rob to sort of. Uh, By the way. In the chat, who do you think is going to win the boxing? Yeah. Rob or Samuel? And have you booked your ticket? Are you going yeah. to the boxing? Let us know. Um, i got loads of stuff. We've been on. Well, we've got loads of stuff to get through. So um, what were the three biggest skills you'd say Rob brings to the partnership? Three biggest skills are he's an amazing marketeer um, and, you know, salesperson. Clearly, you know, takes us into new areas with some great ideas. He's constantly reading and he's, he's actually often more positive about taking different risks than I am often. Um, yeah, and um, you know, he's just, just a great partner to be able to talk to when we've got a big issue or something calamitous is happening. Uh, he often sees the other side uh, and, and sort of reminds me that, well, this happens, but then the reaction is going to be something else. On your developments and stuff, um builders a lot of people say to me how do you find good builders how do you make sure you keep good builders um (laughs) at the same time then they'll say well i tried to get the builder down on price and Uh, the builder's chasing me for the money but i'm not paying him for a couple of months yet um so (laughs) do you pay builders on time early hold some back pay them up front what's okay so the key to builders and trades is you want to pay them really really high speed but only for work that they've done. So it doesn't matter if they say my cash flow is really tight, therefore I want you to pay me really frequently. I would just do it, but only pay them for what they've done. Um, you know, sometimes they want loads of money for materials up front. I, I tend not to like that. Maybe I'll release a little bit, but I'll make sure they're on site. But you know, your response to that is I'll, I'll, I'll get the first, you put the first invoice in within a week and I'll get it paid for, for anything on site and anything done. Um, so the, the best way to find good builders is you, you kiss loads of frogs and you end up with really good ones and really good maintenance men. And then when you found them, you keep them to yourself, you pay them really, really quickly. You form a really strong, hopefully lifelong relationship with them um, and you just keep them rolling. Uh, and every now and again, certainly with the bigger ones that, you know, that do the bigger developments, they go bust and they sort of disappear. It's a lot riskier. Um, but the smaller trades, I mean, I can think of one in particular that he, we used to have an investment product. We, we bought over 400 houses, refurb them, remortgage them for, for investors. That was the f- sort of first business we had at Progressive. And the guy that did those original 400 refurbs, he is still doing refurbs for me today. Um, so, you know, and I can think of, you know, another one that's probably been with us, I don't know, maybe 13, 14 years, something like that. So yeah, those trades, you just want to keep them around you. As long as you keep feeding them work, then, um, everyone's happy. 
And then outside of trades, the opposite side of that insurance wise, how important is insurance? How do you, do you just go get one quote and get it in place or how do you make sure you're not overpaying on insurance? Uh, would you have? Well, buildings insurance, you, you need to go and get quotes, don't you? So you probably get two or three brokers involved and, and just, you know, increase the competition. Um, yeah, I mean, development insurance, same thing. You need to go to the right broker for the right thing uh, and open it up and go and get lots of quotes. Unfortunately, it's, uh, it's, it's time. Yeah. And then, so we've got builders, insurance, and then planning. So planning, planning yeah. regulations, the council. Yeah. Get, um, a, get a brilliant planning consultant. That's how you get planning consents. Um, you go and get a really good planning consultant. They will drive it. They will bring the right professionals in to get the right reports. They will tell you in that area what you need to do. By the way, architects are not planning consultants. Architects are good for drawing plans. Planning consultants are good at getting planning consents. And you, you should know the difference and only use a planning consultant to submit planning applications. Yeah. And then with the millions of properties in the UK, uh, I quite often have people, they come to me and they'll go, I found this deal. It's got structural issues in a flood risk area. Um, it's a flat above a food outlet. It's, <laughs> it's, I've, I've checked the title deeds, but it's not registered, etc. Um, should they be keeping it simple on their first deal? Yeah, what type of stuff definitely. should somebody look for on their first yeah, deal? Yeah, early doors, I wouldn't buy a flat. I'd go and buy a, a little terraced house, uh, maybe a little bit of refurb, maybe it's mortgageable. Get a, you know, maybe, you know, sort of 10% off what it's really worth, 10, 15%, you know, buy it, refurb it, manage the refurb team, cut your teeth and, um, you know, get the rent rolling. Yeah. Uh, try and keep it relatively simple. But, you know, you can graduate then to stuff that's burnt out or unmortgageable, but there are issues you can fix by buying it cash and, and, and fixing the issues. Okay. So, Claire, you thought it was 7 p.m. tonight. At least you're here. So you're early, but late. Um, is it worth taking rent guarantee insurance and which is the best company? I don't take rent guarantee insurance because my attitude to insurance is I insure, I self-insure. So I insure the stuff I have to, like my car and the, the properties, because A, the mortgage lenders insist on it and also it'd be pretty catastrophic if um, we had to pay out on, on, on one of those. But otherwise, I self-insure. Um, I think internally, though, our letting agency do offer rent guarantee insurance and I, it's done through good lord i think yeah you know when you're um looking to get a property i see a lot of people at the beginning of their journey and they'll say uh, the agent told me it when i say when i say to them tell me about the deal and they go they said it would rent for this they said it was worth this they said and it's always they is either the deal sourcer yeah. or the agent yeah. or somebody else yeah. so what would you say to somebody who's sort of buying a deal or listening yeah. to an estate agent should they know what they're doing themselves they should, and should uh, their absolutely <laughs> they should go and do their own research work out what it will what it will rent for what the value really is looking at say right move sold comparing it to other properties in the area um and yeah work, working out uh, you know, rents are all on right move. You know, what stuff's advertised at. Most stuff's renting for about what they're advertised at, at the moment. Uh, and rooms are all on spare rooms. So you can work out what stuff will rent at and what it will sell at. Uh, right. Don't trust agents to tell you because they are incentivized to lie to you. Yeah. Um, if you had, so Amy has said, 
We have had requests for some family members to invest. They have high figure sums in the bank and commented, how lucky are you? And commented that they are making 15p interest a month. What sort of returns do you offer investors? And do you have set equations or is it all property by property based? Well, 16p and they might want to sign up with you. Um, You know, you could offer those guys maybe a return of between eight and 12% per annum. I'd probably try at seven, seven or eight to start with. Um, and, um, you know, they could they could just invest on a, a fixed return. Uh, so they, they lend the money to your portfolio as you buy properties and they may want to stay in, but some of them might want some equity. So they might actually want to buy it with you and earn part of, own part of the property. Um, so you need to find out from them first whether they just want to sort of fixed rate of interest, fixed return and how long they want to invest for and then try and build something around what it is they're looking for and lots of people saying tell them about them and they'll use the money uh, yeah if you say to quite often you, I, I meet people and say i offered my friend 12 percent and they panicked because they thought it was unrealistic and too good to be true yeah seven or eight so, yeah you know yeah. It, you could offer six and it might be too little you could offer eight and it might be too much i use a thing called a hot potato and I, if you've got a hot potato in your hand it'll burn you so you move it to the other person and you ask them what would work for you yeah ask them what return they'd be interested in and by the way if they say six percent and you go excellent great let's do it now they feel robbed but if they if you say what would you expect or what would you like or what would you be happy with and they say six percent you've just saved two if you were going to give eight but if they do say six you should be like "Ooh, i was thinking a bit less and try and negotiate it like 5.75 they'll feel like they ripped you for the best possible deal possible and you feel like you've won massively and everybody's happy. So ask them what they want. Uh, to avoid inheritance tax, is it good to have the children and shareholders a limited company? You could do that. Uh, you could give them a different class of share um, so that any gains in the future uh, would accrue to them and would be outside your estate. Um, that is a possibility, something your accountant could help you with. Michael yeah. said 6 to 8% doesn't cover inflation, but neither does 15p. So it's more than 15p. Six to eight percent doesn't cover inflation for the last 12 months. But let's be honest, inflation normally should be around 2%. You know, if you listen to the Bank of England, within a year, inflation should be down to maybe 4%. So I don't think inflation is going to stay at 10. Energy prices have come right off. And, you know, all the sort of market commentators and the economists that look at it think inflation is going to drop significantly. You mentioned on a podcast about getting an ISA for your son from Hargreaves Lansdowne. Um, what sort of ISA? Uh, I'd go and buy tracker funds. Um, so the easiest way to do this is either on Hargreaves Lansdowne or Vanguard, you could go and buy uh, a tracker fund. Um, if you if you log into Vanguard, actually, it it, it, it will probably lay this out better for you. But there's um, a good one, a good sort of whole um, of, of market tracker would be Vanguard Life Strategy. Uh, and you can either choose 100%, which will be the highest um, return. And I think since inception, uh, something like 12 or 13 years ago, it has made, I think, 10 to 11% on average per annum, which is pretty impressive. 100% is all equity, so it's the riskiest but highest return. 
Um, and then you can go all the way down to 80% equities, 60, 40, or 20, depending on how much risk you want to take. But of course, lower risk, low return. If you're going to do it over a long period of time, I'd probably just go 100 because you'll always make money more over the long run. Uh, but on, you know, in short, shorter term periods, it, it, it can go down more when the market drops. Um, so that's, that's a really easy way to just get into the market. Um, Vanguard, life strategy, um, 100 or, or 80. Um, and you can buy that on Vanguard. That's the cheapest place to buy it on their platform. Or Hargreaves Zanzan, you can buy it on that platform. And I think they'll charge you 0.4% a year. Yeah. Michael, you've just said, should investors hold off investing then because of the returns? But whether if you're buying, you should never hold off buying. And if you're investing the money, you should never hold off investing. Because if you imagine you invested for 12 months at 8%, you get an 8%, inflation might be 10, you've lost two. But if you don't invest, you've lost 10. Now you're down 10, because you made nothing, for the first 12 months. So investing, you could just invest your money for an interest rate return to just protect it from the inflation. If you don't do anything for 12 months, so 10% inflation, do nothing, you've lost 10%. If you lent it at 8%, you've lost two. If you did nothing, the next 12 months, you'd need 20% return off somebody to get back what you lost by doing nothing. If you stand still, you lose. That was a really shit way to explain that, was it? Do you want to give it a better go? Well, I, I don't know if I was listening. <laughs> so what, should he do nothing now with his money because he'd only get 6 yeah, to 8%? Well, no, of course not. You know, you, you're guaranteed if you do nothing. To get uh, zero. For, to get zero. Well, or to, one. Well, you're gonna inflation's gonna erode it. So yeah. you're, you, at the moment, you get minus ten or minus four shortly. Um, so you go and invest it. You're gonna be better off, aren't you? A um, few more bits coming through here. So um, should is it a good idea to do HMOs near a hospital or university? Yeah, why not? Uh, of course, it's a good idea because they'll probably stay fuller. You'll have more tenant demand as long as you buy the properties for the right price of the right yield. Of course, that's that's great. Yeah, something. Um, uh, Glenn Stearns from Undercover Billionaire in America yeah. said was, they asked him in an interview, what was the secret of success? And he said, sell my product. All I did was sold my product and then bought it. And it's a great idea to buy properties near a university or a hospital, but not to buy it and then find out if there's demand. Sell it first. So market to see if there's demand first, then buy it. Because there's a hospital near me and it's not a university hospital and it's not a student hospital and pretty much all the doctors and nurses that live in the hospital work in the hospital own their homes so big cities big hospitals london's etc peterborough's absolutely little town with a small hospital have it so, sorry yeah go, do your research first Javier says, do you believe the letting industry should be regulated? It is regulated. Um, you know, the, there's a property ombudsman. Everybody has to be a member of a, a redress scheme. So I think it already is. Um, Russell says, when doing the Vanguard ISA, is it best to invest a lump sum or regular monthly amount? I much prefer pound cost averaging and investing uh, in a regular way because you get lots of different prices in the market and therefore there's never really... I, often I'm, I hold my money back and I'm like, oh, I want the best time to invest. I, I, you know, I've got that disease too, but of course I can never time it. Uh, the, the best way to, to, to get an average of the market is just to invest on a monthly basis and you get all sorts of prices, don't you? One for me again. Looking back on your whole career as property, the 17 years at Rob, the time before Rob, um, what advice, if you were to start back again 
at like 2019, 15, yeah. you mentioned 15, you start to invest in. What advice would you give your younger self to do things differently? <laughs> uh, apart gotta, from start earlier. You've got to start earlier. Apart, um, I knew he was going to say start yeah, earlier. So I because the compounding returns are yeah. massive, aren't they? Uh, surrounding myself with better people earlier, better mentors, better people who are doing it, not listening to clowns in the pub, um, you know, focusing on, you know, the five people around me, improving those people to, to, to make sure they're actually doing where the thing that I want to be doing um, rather than, you know, I'd have been boozing and doing things I probably shouldn't have been, um, you know, when I was, I don't know, in my youth. But I suppose a slightly misspent youth has, it, has its benefits as well. Um, if you were getting a mortgage now, would you fix it for X number of years? Depends on the rate, depends on how long uh, the mortgage is. Um, but, you know, if, if there was a fix at, say, 5% at the moment uh, and there was a variable uh, at 5% at the moment, uh, which would mean it would be 1% over base and the fix would be 5 I might be tempted to go on. The, in fact, I have. I've taken a variable out, 2.69 over base. Um, so all in now, I think I'm paying 6, 6.69. Um, I took that because I'm. I take the view that interest rates will probably be lower in two years' time. Do you but, think that? Yeah. So do you, you mentioned two years there. Do you think interest rates have a bit more to climb? Maybe. Yeah. There could be. You know. And the, of course, yeah. the economic data is not out yet. Yeah. Um, so the Bank of England hasn't made the decision. Nobody knows. Mm. And interest rates are very, very hard to predict. But they're either either more likely to go sideways or up. Um, you know, for a little while before inflation's under control. And then I suspect they may drift down. Or if it doesn't look like activity's going to fall off a cliff, it looks like yeah. we're past that now. Yeah. Uh, I know the, the newspapers had a good go at it with the co cost of living crisis and everything like that. But it looks like a soft landing at the moment. But if activity really fell off a cliff, uh, even if inflation was quite high, I suspect the Bank of England would just dump interest rates yeah. right down very quickly, like they did in 08 and like they did in 2020. If you purchased a commercial property on a nine, you mentioned freehold over lease yeah. If you purchased a commercial property on a 999 year lease, yeah. what's the pros and cons of doing that well, over still, freehold? You're still not in control. So the freeholder can still do works to the building, charge you for that. The freeholder can still charge you a service charge. They can still, um, you know, if you want to redevelop it, you can't without their consent. They they still own it, you know. Yes, you've got a lease over it. Um, I've got a tenant in there for a thousand years, but you know they owe me delaps for that. That's on a commercial building. Um, it's it's not as good as freehold. It really isn't. Um, have you heard of an American strategy called Subject Two? No. So it's very similar to. It's different, but so it's like American terms are all different. Like wholesaling is deal packaging and whatever and. If you're American, listen to American terms. If you're UK and you're watching, and I love Grand Cardone and I love all these people, the thing is a lot of what works in America doesn't work in the UK. Um, and their terms are completely different and their stuff is completely different. You can do things in the UK like lease options, exchange completions, etc. Um, I'm not even interested in, in American terms. I'm interested in UK stuff because I'm buying UK property. I want to ask a question to Mark though. Did you ever buy in America? I did in Florida. Yeah. How did that go? Uh, really badly. I thought it really, might really have. badly. What yeah. would you say to anyone who's watching this and thinking, um, 
you know, should they be listening to the American property YouTube channels if they're living in the UK? Absolutely not. You want to be learning from people in the UK who are doing it here, who are current, who are out investing, viewing, refurbing properties on the ground. Uh, what goes on in America, Australia, South Africa is not really relevant. Uh, it's very different. Financing them here is different. The legal system is different. Um, you want to learn from local people. Yeah, like fix and flip. Just refurb it. Wholesaling. Um, just, <laughs> <laughs> just do stuff in the UK and learn the UK stuff. So um, I have five buy-to-let residential properties in my limited company. I'm the only director with 100% shares. Can my wife or children able to claim in, or inherit those properties after my death? He needs to change his shares. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could start sort of transferring them over now. Uh, you might have a capital gain to pay. Um, yeah, or maybe you clear off for five years uh, and uh, transfer them over. Whilst you're not resident for tax purposes, I may have to do that. Um, yeah, they can inherit them, but there's, there could be a load of cap, um, inheritance tax to pay which is a lot of money. Yeah, so Mark's just said, uh, subject two is where you take over a property owner's property, but the loan stays in their name. It's a lease option. So I mentioned a lease option, exchange delayed completion. You can take over the owner's mortgage. You can control it. It's one of the no money down investment techniques that I teach at multiple streams of property income. Um, yes, you can do it, but stop using American terms. Um, what do you think actually about Americans who say, don't buy your own home versus um, what you should probably actually do? I, maybe What's that it? maybe that works in America. In this country, I, I don't believe that is a good strategy at all. Owning your own home is uh, massively beneficial. A because you can borrow money against it relatively cheaply. Um, so you know, paying interest on a mortgage is a lot lot less usually than rent. Um, over time, the value of your home should go up probably five percent a year. Well, if mortgage interest is at the moment, I looked yesterday. Um, and you can get a 10-year fix from Barclays at something like 4.3, that's still less than the, the value of the, the, the property is probably going to go up on an annual basis. So, you know, all right, you've got a bit of maintenance and, and all the rest of it, but your, your home is effectively free on that basis. If it's going up by 5% a year and the mortgage interest is less than 5% a year, yeah. if you ignore the maintenance and the insurance, it's free, isn't it? Mm. I, you know, I, it isn't a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Uh, in addition, it's, it's a great way to save. It's very, very cheap. And then the massive benefit, which I, I don't know if it's the same in America, but people don't talk about this enough. There's no capital gains tax. You know, it's the one thing left. You can have a massive. In fact, I've got a mate. You know, we, um, we sort of in some ways we grew up together. Um, you know, he's gone off. He's got a successful business. He's in, in, in the food business. And he's gone off and he's bought an 11 million pound house uh 11.7 i think it is and he's got he's got land and all the rest of it um and he said it had it revalued and it's now 15 and he owned it five years or something yeah. no tax he can sell that now not pay any tax he can downsize whatever so you know it's the la one of the last few things where there is no tax yeah. yeah is it best to own your own home outright um or not i you know, it depends if you're if you want to invest, um, I think it could be a really good thing 
to get a mortgage on your own home. Use that money wisely for other investments, for buy-to-lets, HMOs, single-lets, all that sort of stuff. You're going to make a lot more. Say you're making 15% in those and you know, you're paying, say, 4 or 5% on the loan from the bank on your own home. Well, then you're up 10%, aren't you? Mm. Um, and over time, you'll be up a lot, lot more than that. It will all compound. So, no, I, I think it's good to borrow money against your home as long as it's going into good you know solid properties and you can fix it you can fix it i got i know you can't quite do this now but i got a uh, a 10 year fix at 3% because mm. uh, they were cheap uh, in fact if i hadn't been subject to uh, early redemption penalty i'd have done it 2 months before and got it at 2% yeah. um so you know those days will probably come back i suspect interest rates will they'll, they'll carry on go up a bit but at some point they're gonna they're gonna hit the bloody deck again because everything will go wrong uh you know what you want to do then you want to be fixing for a long time we yeah. spoke freehold leasehold today yeah why is there such a thing as leasehold property why is it not all just freehold uh What's the reason? well i suspect it's f- feudal times you know sort of uh you've got landowners lords uh and they maybe wanted to lease houses flats to tenants tenant farmers for a long period of time but they wanted it back afterwards back into their estate um you know it's a very different relationship they still have overall control they can stop you developing it they if you want to extend it you have to give them money you have to get consent you know they they are the landowner uh, they are the lord of the manor um so yeah and with flats obviously you know they're trying to promote something called a common hold um, it's a little bit like where you, you own a share of the freehold, but most flats are leasehold. Uh, so you're subject to the freeholder, which are often these yep. big property management, big London management companies, you know, charging you lots for maintenance, charging you loads for insurance, uh, and generally mistreating you. Right. Yeah. What's next for you? you are uh, you a so, mob? Yeah. So, um, you know, progressive, the training business has really sprung to life again this year. Uh, now we've come out of all the nonsense of, of COVID. So having a lot of fun growing this business, um, got deals sort of bubbling, uh, things are, you know, getting cheaper in terms of development buildings and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and I might just go back to buying rakes of single lets cause, um, you've got to you've got to take advantage of what's in front of you haven't you and and yeah. you know little houses are they're on sale yeah why would you not take advantage and when is enough enough why uh, is enough well enough? i don't know um i don't know what enough is I really mean, do you, is it's about ex- growth isn't it it's is about your, growth is your exit death or is your are you are you doing it because you're just yeah. enjoy it what's the yeah my exit is death i'm never selling this stuff i'll, I'll just sort of pass it on um you know yeah, there is no enough. A lot of it's about growth and getting to the, you know, it's the challenge and getting to the next level, isn't it? Yeah. What do you think for most people, what's the most important thing they should be doing right now? Uh, I think the most important thing they should be doing is learning about this stuff, you know, surrounding themselves with really good people, really good mentors, uh, so that they can get into property investment, development. Um, you know, the best investment you will ever make is on yourself.